Shimo Panolti. Hello, my name is Marisol. Welcome to Perspectives from Avia Yala and Beyond, broadcasting to the facilities of Trend Radio. In this bilingual space, we promote our indigenous ways of thinking and living, oriented to community well-being from all over the Avia Yala. This radio show is produced on the traditional territory of the Michisagic peoples of the Anishinaabek Nation. This place is known as Nogojiwanong and is encompassed by Treaty 20 and the Williams Treaty. As an immigrant, I am grateful for the opportunity to be here and I thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. I recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this place. Para las personas que nos están escuchando en países donde se habla español, Gracias por sintonizarnos y bienvenidos a este programa de radio que se llama Perspectivas desde Avia Yala y más allá. Mi nombre es Marisol y estoy emitiendo a través de la estructura de Trend Radio, inspirada en la idea de promover la práctica del buen vivir y convivir desde las múltiples perspectivas indígenas que han poblado este continente por miles de años. Este programa está producido en el territorio tradicional del pueblo Michisagig de la nación Anishinaabek en Nogojiwanong, que está incluido en el Tratado 20 y el Tratado Williams y actualmente es conocido como Peterborough, Canadá. Como inmigrante en este territorio, estoy agradecida con todas las generaciones de personas que han cuidado de este por miles de años y reconozco y aprecio profundamente su conexión con este lugar. Good evening. Tonight we have a very special guest in Perspectives from Avia Yala and Beyond, my friend Amy Shawanda. Amy is from the Odawa Nation. She was born on Manitoulin Island and raised in Wikwemkong on ceded territory. Amy is a co-instructor for the Indigenous Required Grade course in the Indigenous Environmental Studies and Sciences Department at Trent University. In addition, she is a sessional instructor at the University of Sudbury for the Indigenous Health and Wellness course. Amy obtained her bachelor's degree with a double major in Law and Justice and Indigenous Studies and her Master's of Indigenous Relations degree at Laurentian University. Her master's research focused on the smudging ceremony policies as well as on the layout and configuration of patient rooms in the healthcare facilities that would allow patients to take part in smudging or other ceremonies as needed. Currently, Amy is a PhD candidate in Indigenous Studies at Trent University. Her PhD research is on Anishinaabe motherhood, the act of resistance by researching traditional teachings and pedagogies. Her research interests primarily lie within the Anishinaabe thinking, being, doing, and connecting with the land. She was diverse. Sorry, she has diverse research interests that include language, teaching pedagogies, decolonizing, indigenizing, mainstream institutions, research methods and methodologies, urban indigeneity, governance, star knowledge, dream knowledges, storytelling, and indigenous health. Para nuestra audiencia que habla español, buenas noches. Hoy tenemos en el programa a una invitada muy especial, mi amiga Amy Shawanda. Amy es de la Nación Odawa, Nació en la isla Manitoulin y se crió en el territorio indígena de Gwikwekong, que nunca ha sido cedido a la corona británica o al gobierno canadiense. Amy obtuvo su licenciatura en estudios indígenas con una doble especialización en Derecho y Justicia e hizo su maestría en Relaciones Indígenas en la Universidad de Laurentian. 
La investigación de su maestría se centró en las políticas de la ceremonia del saumerio en los servicios de salud en Canadá, así como en el diseño y la configuración de las habitaciones de los pacientes indígenas en instalaciones de atención médica para permitirles el acceso a sus ceremonias sagradas de curación. Actualmente, Amy es coinstructora en el Departamento de Ciencias y Estudios Ambientales Indígenas de la Universidad de Trent y del curso de Salud y Bienestar Indígena en la Universidad de Sudbury en Canadá. Además, Amy es candidata al doctorado en Estudios Indígenas en la Universidad de Trent. Su investigación en el doctorado es sobre la maternidad Anishinaabe como un acto de resistencia mediante el resurgimiento de enseñanzas y pedagogías tradicionales. En sus estudios, Amy principalmente se enfoca en el pensamiento, el ser y el quehacer Anishinaabe y su conexión con la tierra. En sus estudios, Amy incluye diversos temas como la importancia de los idiomas y pedagogías indígenas, la descolonización e indigenización de las instituciones públicas, los métodos y metodologías de investigación indígena, la indigeneidad urbana, formas indígenas de gobierno y los conocimientos tradicionales de las estrellas, los sueños, la narración de historias y la salud. A continuación, platicaré con Amy acerca de su trabajo y de cómo, siendo una mamá con dos hijos pequeños incansables, es además una exitosa profesora, investigadora, corredora, colega, solidaria y amiga. La charla se desarrollará en inglés, de la cual compartiré una reseña en español inmediatamente después. In the following minutes, I will talk with Amy about her work and how she is a successful teacher, researcher, runner, and a supportive colleague and friend, while being also an amazing mom of two young children. After our conversation, I will share a summary of it in Spanish. Hello, Amy. How are you today? Hi, Marcel. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for accepting uh, my invitation to be in the show. I am very looking forward to share with uh, people listening how do you do what you do and the work that you are doing right now. So can you explain us a little bit about what are you doing these days in terms of, in terms of your research and your work? Uh, yeah, so the my current PhD dis, uh, dissertation I'm working on is called Anishinaabe Motherhood, the Act of Resistance by Resurging Traditional Teachings and Pedagogies. And in that, I'm just looking at how my people, the Anishinaabe, look at how we raise our children and how are we resurging those traditional maternal pedagogies so that we raise strong Anishinaabe children. And part of that came in when my second son was born, um, I was sitting in the hospital thinking I wanted to engage with traditional practices. And in that, I remember sitting there holding my premature baby and we were unable to engage in a lot of the cultural practices, mainly one, the hospital didn't offer it to, I was new to the city of where in which I just moved to. And when I was holding him, I remember thinking, all these things where I wanted to engage in, in practices, but I couldn't because the, the, the resources were not available. But also, um, I didn't know who to reach out to. And when I'm thinking all of this, I started thinking about how many women are going through this right now? How many first time moms? Like I already have another child, so it's not my first time being a parent. 
and I wondered how if they're sitting alone feeling lost, like what what is something or what in which ways could they pick up the knowledge and which ways can they utilize this, our cultural teachings when their baby's first born? Because I find a lot of the conversations I've had over my lifetime was a lot of moms want to start engaging with cultural practices. Um, mind you, colonization has disrupted a lot in all our communities and most indigenous communities around the world. And with that, um, our, our community is no exception. Like we have all this colonization and Christianity in there where we had that disconnect. So something that I, that's where I had all these thoughts. I was like, well, I just, I want to engage in the traditional ways of knowing and practicing and being for my children. So how many mothers out there are feeling this, feeling alone, and there is no resources readily available to them. And as I was conducting my research, so I'm now in analyzing all the data and writing phase, um, some of the preliminary data that has come out is that a lot of mothers struggle in finding knowledge keepers and elders and who do they trust and who do they find and how do they access that knowledge. So in that, there are so many themes that were coming out, just not only the colonization, but also the empowerment. How do I take back my power as a mother, as an individual to raise a strong child to raise strong nationhoods collectively what can i do what is my part to do to 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 raise these strong nations together um thank you for that um i also wanted to ask you and here i am privileged because i have been looking you uh looking at you working and doing your research and being a mom and i i wanted to ask about your uh the way in which you're doing your research because the the, um, the way what you're doing it is not using just you know the Western um, framework for doing research, but this is also following the indigenous ways of doing research. And since you're doing it about motherhood, it's very important to connect with the people you're talking to indigenous moms um, in in their own way. So I wanted to ask about how are you connecting with these moms and the people you're talking for your research, and how are you gathering this knowledge to develop your research. Right, so one of the really interesting and part of my research was that I identified accidentally really uh, a research gap because there is a, a lot of research out there on our neighbors like the Haudenosaunee and Cree knowledge on birthing and motherhood teachings. But as I was looking and researching, there wasn't something that was in Anishinaabe and there was nothing out there that was kind of like, here's a book of here are some teachings that you need to know. And that would simplify things for mothers to just open or new, or new mothers that they can just go and look. So that came about in a really interesting way when I was, there was pieces of scattered knowledge. Everybody held a piece or a key rather to the knowledge of what it, which I was seeking. And so I don't expect a first time mom to go out and interview 20, 30 people or read 50 books in order to gain this knowledge. So if we wanna have those strong nationhoods coming together, why don't we simplify it and bring it together? And one of the things my uncle 
that has taught me, he had said like, if you're gonna research or know who you are, you should know who you are, what your nation is and know all the teachings about it before you go exploring everybody else's. And that to me made a lot of sense. And I said, you're right. Like I need to know who I am, what my teachings are before I go learning about other cultures. And I love learning about other cultures. And that's just me. I want to know how Haudenosaunee people do things. I want to know how Mexican people do things. And, um, and, and I've traveled a lot where I've got to see how the Maori people do things down in New Zealand. So it made sense to me to learn everything about who I am, where I come from first. So that way you don't get lost when you're out venturing out in the world. Um, so that was really important to me. The second thing to, uh, to part of your question is, yes, I did kind of reject <laughs> Western ways of knowing by utilizing my own research methodology, which is fun. I'm not going to say I invented this because it's already there. We've always had this, but rather I am inspired by other scholars who've done similar work, but they've took they take in their own, um, like Joey Lynn Wabi's a really good example where I use her work and how she made the Algonquin feminist theory. And I thought she's using her own lens as an Algonquin and as um, a Quay, a woman, and she's using her knowledge. And I thought, that's so simple. Like those, that's her lens, that's her background, that's her epistemology, that's where where she comes to know. So I utilized a similar strategy that she used and I made um, a Nishnabe research methodology. And yes, it's a little bit more <laughs> work to do so, but when I was sitting there thinking, well, I've been raised, I've been born and raised in my community. Um, and then there, like it, it's been a lot of the language, the land, and knowing the practices of being raised in some cultural and some non-cultural ways. So it was an easy way to blend two, two knowledge systems together, but also really privileging Anishinaabe research and methodologies, first and foremost, that was my goal was to um, privilege Anishinaabe knowledge because this is where I'm getting the knowledge from and for Anishinaabe mothers, because I want to benefit not only our community, but also the research community in, in hopes that they also have this foundational or something that they can use should they want to use it. So Amy, again, I think I'm very lucky to see you closely. How do you do things? And I just wanted to say to people who are listening right now or listeners, how, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. I know you you don't like me to like praise you <laughs> too much, but like, uh, Amy, you're um, a PhD candidate. You are a published scholar. You are a mom of two kids, but no little kids. This, this, I mean, no, no big kids. These are kids. This is a toddler and an amazing guy, Brody. Uh, you're a partner. You are a daughter. You are also a runner. You run five centimeters a day, I think. And, and you are not really like about like, it's not like you were born accommodated and you have all these resources to do everything. You actually work super hard to provide for your family too. And I, I wanted to highlight this because many people that might be listening right now, especially women, especially women with kids, maybe feeling incredibly overwhelmed by, overwhelmed by, by all this work. 
and they still have dreams and they want to keep going and doing things and sometimes it seems so difficult so i wanted to ask you how the noise that you're gathering and the way you are <laughs> and, and your community um how is that is, is, how, how do you how do you use that in your life to, to be able to do all the things that you do and keeping that smile and keeping your stamina and and the energy and even helping people out like you're helping me right now giving me um, like a free hour to talk to me right now so how how do you do all of that and how do you think other moms can can, can recover their knowledge to also do the things that they want to do in their life right so i think one of the things is just my personality i'm very stubborn and once i set a goal out <laughs> i think that i get very stubborn in that sense that um if i set out to do it i have to finish it but also knowing knowing that part of me and acknowledging that's who i am as a person that i also know that creator will sometimes put roadblocks for two reasons either slow down or you need to stop so I do acknowledge, I do take time for rest. Like I, I don't, I'm not, on, it appears to many that I'm probably on the go, 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 go. Um, my son's in hockey. The other one I got to keep entertained because he has high energy. Um, uh, I am doing schoolwork and I work part-time. Um, oh, it is a really busy schedule, definitely. But also I do want to, for other women out there, one of the things this has been a recurring theme for the past month for me is a lot of people have been asking, well, how do you do it? And one of the big things, big, 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 big things is I have support and I cannot do it without my partner. I can't do it without my family and his family, without them pitching in. I can't do it without my friends. I have different types of support systems. I have a mental and a spiritual and a physical and an emotional support. I have friends that will step in and support me emotionally or mentally. Like if I, if I have these very theoretical thoughts that I just need to have a conversation with someone hashed about, I have those support systems. Um, when I want to engage in running, I, or physical activity, really, I have, I reach out to certain people where I want to start running and getting physically active. Or if I just want to slow down, I know which friends to reach out to or which family members so that we could take it easy and just go for a casual walk, go for a coffee or read a book in our separate homes and <laughs> do things together, but apart. Um, and I also have friends where we just watch Netflix together, but separately, like, and then we talk about the episodes and things like that. So as much as we are on the go, rest is also very important and having that support system because without it, like, you're going to burn yourself out. And if you're going to burn yourself out, you're not a good role model to your children. Like they're going to see you irritable and grouchy and like, no, I always, I, one of the big things too, one of my philosophies is that I try to always put myself in the other person's shoes. And especially for my children is they're two different ages. So the older one, um, I'll try to see from his lens or we'll have conversations and I try to look at things through his eyes and he's like oh okay well he's usually like oh okay mom you're busy I'm just gonna take it easy whereas my toddler's like um I need your attention now let's go <laughs> and normally I have to stop what I'm doing and be like okay I need to also slow down and and take care of this little 
this little being too and really foster his growth. So it's a give and take in all my relations. Like I give some and I have to put some out. And you know, that's that's really important. And that's also part of our teachings is a give and take. Like that reciprocal nature is like every time someone wants help, I also have to know, and this is a really big thing too for many moms is knowing know what's on your plate. Can you take that on? Like, can you, if people are always going to ask you, can you do this? Can you do that? And a lot of it's like, no, I can't do that. And I'm not going to stress myself out. And that's something I've been practicing for the past two years is like, is my plate full? Yes. So do not take anything on until two other things come off so that I'm able to rest and I'm able to get going again. And then once something clears, I'll take on another project or I'll do another contract or what, whichever it may be. Or something I recently started doing, as you had stated, where do I get the energy from, was is running that really, again, I think I'm just stubborn, <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I started running more kilometers and really it just started out with walking. It's walking 30 minutes a day and then 45 to a minute to 60 minutes and then then I want to speed up the walking process to start jogging. And then eventually I was running 10K now, and then I was working on 15K, but it's winter now. So I don't really want to run in the winter. <laughs> I'm not running in the snow. <laughs> um, but physical activity is also very important. It's easy to get glued to our phones. It's easy, it's easy to get glued to the TV. So during this pandemic, something I've been doing is picking up a book. Every time I find I, if I'm starting to scroll, on social media or anything. I'm like, stop, go pick up your book. And I found that I've read a few books already just by doing that. And a it's few really, books. A few Sorry. books. I have to make a comment here because Amy, like, like all the things that you see is gonna make said book reader. Like I do, you have an addiction, Amy. You do. I do have a book addiction. That is not yeah. a lie. I just ordered another eight books that I'm excitedly waiting to come in the mail. <laughs> uh, I come read a few books. I just wanted to like make that comment there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Just a few um, books, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to ask you this way of, of balancing things out in your life and, and, and nurturing that reciprocity with your community, with the people around you who are your, your support network. How do you learn that? Where do you learn that? Where does it come from? So reciprocity has always been in our teachings, really. Um, I remember reading, I know it's something my mom has taught me too, but one of the foundational Anishinaabe knowledges that I got was from Edward ben Benton Beneba, who just recently passed in December. He wrote a book called The Mishonis Book, and in that he takes the teachings and he talks about how the first man walks the earth and he he teaches us how to take care of nature because once we take care of nature, um, nature will take care of us in return. And in there, there are um, Basil, Basil Johnson, who also passed away recently, um, who's written so many teachings. And I found that like in these, in these books that I read, once I read them, I also go out to the community and ask my knowledge keepers and my elders who if these stories are true or can they somehow validate them for me or um, do things like that. And one of the, growing up on 
my reserve is that we've always offered tobacco. And in that it's like, I'm offering you for, I'm offering you this tobacco for some sacred knowledge or knowledge to get me through or to help me in some way, whichever, whichever the case may be in your, in, in your scenario. And so you're offering this to them and, and asking for help. So when you offer something, they're going to give back to you and they don't always have to take it. Uh, I just really want to like, again, it's like, is my plate full? Can I take this on? Can I help this person to the best of my ability? So that is something that, that has been taught to me at a very young age. And my mom has been really, really, really good. Um, she's always, I've always known her to like really help other people, people that are becoming in, in asking for help in some capacity, or even my sisters, people would be asking them for help in some capacity. And I always thought like, okay, so to me, that was just like an obvious thing. Like you're just going to go help and you're just going to do it. Um, I have a lot of friends that do <laughs> and colleagues that ask me for help and they're like, oh, what do you want? I'll pay you or I'll do this for you. And I'll be like, just take me out for a cup of coffee and let's visit. It's something simple as that. Like, oh, I'm more than happy to help you. I don't need anything in return um, other than your time. And let's share a coffee together and visit. <laughs> um, anyway, um, this, this is, oh my God, it, the time is, is going so fast. But um, just finally on, on the last article that you just published about dreams, I wanted to just like, just slightly on that, like how, um, if you can talk to us a little bit about that work and um, and the perspective you have about your future work. Okay, so I wrote this article called Boa um, uh, referencing dreams as academic references and Boa means to dream or the person's dreaming. Um, there, there are some slight variations on how that could be interpreted in our language, um, depending which background you come from. Uh, but one of the things that it, it started as a, a meme joke, I would say about maybe five or six years ago, and someone had posted, I remember reading this post and, and in the footnotes, it said, I had a dream about this. And that's how I know this knowledge came to be or something along the lines of that. And I thought that was pretty funny. But it kind of stuck with me too, like, well, why don't we reference our dreams? Because I'm a big dreamer. I have dreams all the time. And I know I'm not the only person who has these dreams. I know a lot of people in, in many of our communities across Rhode Island are dreamers and they, they tap into that sacred knowledge and they're able to go get it. And when I thought about this, um, Manulani, Aluli Meyer came to visit at Trent last June and we were having this conversation. So she's a Hawaiian scholar and she's written um, the holographic epistemology, which is a phenomenal piece um, that kind of stuck with me. And so we were talking about her paper and talking about dream knowledges and how do we reference this and how do we go about it? And so we, we had a great rich conversation, but we didn't leave there with a concrete plan on how to do so. And so I remember thinking, okay, well, how do we do it? And then so the Canadian Indigenous Studies, I forget what the rest is called, Sinsa. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
yeah, I had this conference and I don't know what came over me that day, but I swear I had guidance from my grandmother and I remember sitting there and just like, I'm going to write about dream knowledge and I submitted it and it got accepted. And so I was like, oh no, now I have to write this. I'm not, I'm not worried about this because I know it will come to me or whatever came over me that day that I was just meant to write that. So I remember sitting there like a couple nights before the conference and I was like, I have not written anything yet. I'm kind of starting to get worried. Um, I don't want my, I want to try to put my best work forward. And, and then the day before it hit me, all this knowledge my grandmother shared with me just came flooding forward. And so I was like, I need to get this down. I need to get this down right now. And so I opened up my computer and I was just writing, writing, writing. Um, and then in the Indigenous, on the Turtle Island Indigenous Health Journal, um, I had the opportunity to submit an abstract as the scholar that I am submitted literally minutes before the deadline. <laughs> and so I had to quickly write an abstract and what I was going to submit to them. And, and again, I somehow got accepted in the very rough, I think, shoddy work that I did. <laughs> and they, they accepted. So I went through the whole process of um, writing the journal and submitting it. And I remember when I got first accepted, I was, these pieces of knowledge kept coming to me. And I was like, okay, I need to take a mental note of this and keep it. And I memorized what was being said. And then so I felt like I was co-creating with a very sacred space that needed to come out. And I think the time we're in was actually very timely in the sense of what's going on in the world around us and tapping into our, into our sacred knowledges. And when I was writing it, I just kept adding and adding. And when revisions were coming back, I was like, no, I need to add this. And now I need to add this. And now I need to add this. Like every revision, I was adding something new. Um, and it is a finished product that I'm, I'm really proud of, but I wish I could have added everything. I was really limited by, the number of words I could add into my article. I mean, if I could, I could have written a whole book on, yeah. <laughs> on how to reference dreams because I am currently working on a second piece uh, follow-up to this, to referencing uh, dream knowledges. And um, one of the big things too, I, I have to acknowledge and say is that after this article came out and still to this day, people are contacting me to share their dreams, which is such a powerful and such a honor that they're sharing their most sacred time with me that they had in the spiritual realm. And I'm like, that that's such a huge honor. I remember reading a few emails and crying. I was like, wow, this, this is huge. Like they're sharing big pieces of their knowledge with me and who they spoke into and what knowledges that were obtained. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really big. So um, I, I had to really acknowledge that and say that that it, it was really an honor to get those pieces of information. Um, so yes, there is, a, there is a second piece coming out. Um, when it will get published, uh, that really depends on <laughs> how quickly I can finish my dissertation because that's first and foremost. I really wanna try and finish this up by the end of this year so that I can move on to 
other projects that I'm working of on. Of course, ongoing projects. Um, anyway, well, if you allow me, I will share in our social media a link to your article and a link to other, uh, maybe other resources about your work, if you allow it, if you share it with us. Um, I want to thank you again for talking with us and to offer us your, your knowledge um, to, to, to reach out for our dreams and, and recover our knowledge to, to be able to make it work as women, as moms, um, as professionals, and putting, putting it all together like you're doing it. Um, I just want to tell you again, you're, I'm, I'm a big admirer of your work, and I've been in awe looking at you. I keep seeing doing it because uh, you're a huge motivator in my life too, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and, um, Thank you also for to, to your family and and for for allowing us to to have you for this this hour because it's it's actually late at night. Let me let me just say that it's late at night while we're doing this conversation and I'm sure your kids and, and your family who are always supporting you are also waiting for you. So thank you again and uh, hoping to have you here in the in the show again <laughs> to talk more. <laughs> thank you, Amy. Thank you. conversación, Amy nos compartió la historia de cómo su rol como mamá fue una influencia crucial en la elección de su tema principal de investigación en su carrera, la maternidad de Nishinabe, y nos platica que cuando estaba esperando el nacimiento de su segundo bebé en el hospital, pensó en sus conocimientos tradicionales como mujer y mamá de Nishinabe y por qué dichos conocimientos no son accesibles para las mujeres en las instituciones públicas canadienses. Esta experiencia la inspiró a diseñar una investigación basada en los valores y tradiciones Ojibwe para así documentar y analizar los conocimientos tradicionales dedicados a tener una maternidad armoniosa y poner esta investigación al servicio de las comunidades indígenas. Después, Amy nos cuenta sobre cómo el respaldo que recibe día con día de su comunidad es esencial para poder llevar una vida armoniosa como mamá, profesional y deportista. En esta charla, ella especialmente habla sobre el constante apoyo que su pareja y su mamá le brindan para continuar cosechando logros en su carrera. Finalmente, Amy nos habla sobre su último artículo publicado titulado Boguayeque, Explorando los sueños como referencias académicas. En este artículo, Amy relata cómo algunas de sus ideas para la investigación a menudo se revelan mientras duerme, y que esto no es extraño, ya que las personas indígenas Anishinaabe como ella usualmente se conectan con el reino espiritual a través de los sueños. En este artículo, Amy explora cómo la gente Anishinaabe utiliza los sueños y explica ampliamente la validez de este método indígena para adquirir el conocimiento y por qué debe ser recuperado y utilizado sin sentir vergüenza y con orgullo. Amy explica que las personas indígenas haciendo carrera en las universidades necesitan normalizar sus sueños y visiones en sus estudios y textos, así como priorizar esta y otras metodologías de investigación indígena. A continuación, con el permiso de Amy, voy a leer un pequeño extracto de su artículo sobre los sueños en español. Paguachigue significa soñar. Cuando dormimos, estamos viajando en forma de luz espiritual mientras el cuerpo está en reposo. 
Es a través del pensamiento, la oración, nuestras ceremonias y los sueños donde podemos acceder a información sobre nuestros conocimientos ancestrales porque nuestra luz espiritual es un principio central de la dimensión cosmológica o reino espiritual. Los Anishinabek creen en el mundo metafísico y soñar es un elemento dentro de su marco intelectual. Nuestros sueños son parte de nuestros métodos mientras co-creamos con el universo y nuestros ancestros. Cuando estamos dormidos, recibimos sueños, que podrían ser solo sueños, pero también recibimos orientación y mensajes del reino espiritual. Smith escribe que el poder de los sueños es esencial para la identidad y la supervivencia de la gente Anishinaabek. El conocimiento de los sueños se integra en nuestra vida diaria a medida que conectamos continuamente dos sistemas de conocimiento, los conocimientos espirituales adquiridos en los sueños y los conocimientos científicos adquiridos a través de observaciones empíricas. Este conocimiento obtenido a través de los sueños nos ha permitido sostener nuestras naciones indígenas y formas de ser durante miles de años. Cuando los pueblos indígenas rezan para acceder al reino espiritual, es muy común recibir información en el estado del sueño. Smith explica que recordar nuestros sueños es importante, porque recibimos instrucciones vitales, ya sea implícita o explícitamente, porque nos hemos comunicado con los manidog o espíritus. La información que se transmite puede variar desde una variedad de cosas, como el uso de plantas medicinales, instrucciones de curación, orientación ceremonial, encontrar objetos o personas perdidas, conversar con lo animado e inanimado y el conocimiento de eventos futuros. Los sueños que son proféticos proporcionan otra dimensión en nuestra comprensión cuando aceptamos que el universo viviente es capaz de comunicarse directamente con nosotros para instarnos a tomar ciertos caminos de comportamiento que están bien definidos para nosotros. Esta información posiblemente no podría derivar ni de las observaciones más precisas del mundo físico. Toda la información adquirida puede entonces ser entendida como genuino conocimiento soñado, o en inglés, dream knowledge. Amy and I would like to close this episode with a reading in her own words, of a little piece of her article about the dreams. I hope you enjoy it. Introduction. This article blossomed from my presentation at the Canadian Indigenous Native Studies Association Conference hosted by Trent University. In this article, I tackle the literary gap of dream citation guidelines because the Academy has not viewed dreaming as a valid source of knowledge. The article is from a Anishinaabe Kwe woman perspective and weaves in the indigenous academic practice of storytelling. Eurocentric ideologies often ignore indigenous knowledges, more specifically dream knowledge, because the colonial narrative questions the validity of spirituality within Western academia. This article aims to, one, address the literary gap by understanding dream knowledges as a valid source of knowledge for indigenous students and scholars and justifying it from an indigenous perspective. Two, encourage indigenous students and scholars to include their dreams within their research and writing and three provide guidelines to referencing dreams for indigenous students and scholars within their academy academic rating 
To accomplish this, I will share my dream knowledge that has impacted my scholarly understandings and writings. I propose several citation formats based on dream specifics and by first citing who visited within the dream. Citation formats will engage with either ancestral accounts, unknown ancestors, and ni kinogana, all my relations. I have also created six subcategories based on descriptions of the type of dream and how the collected knowledge occurred within the dream, such as dream conversation, dream visitation, dream message, dream interpretation, daydream, and prophecy vision. I have utilized the American Psychological Association citation style because it is used in multiple disciplines. I conclude this paper by encouraging Indigenous students and scholars to incorporate their dream knowledge within the literary framework. Boajaga means to dream. The understanding is that when we are sleeping, we are traveling in the form of spiritual light when the body is at rest. Through thought, prayer, ceremony, and dreams, it is where we can access information because the belief is our spiritual light is a central tenet to the cosmological dimension or the spiritual realm. The Anishinaabek believe in the metaphysical world and dreaming is an element within our intellectual framework. Our dreams are part of our method as we co-create with the universe, universe and ancestors. When we are asleep, we receive dreams, which could be just dreams, but we also receive guidance and messages from the spiritual realm. Smith writes that the power of dreams is essential to Anishinaabek identity and survival. Dream knowledge is integrated into our daily lives as we continually bridge two knowledge systems. The spiritual knowledge is gained in dreams and the scientific knowledge is gained through empirical observations. This knowledge gained, obtained through dreaming has allowed us to sustain our nations and ways of being for thousands of years. When indigenous people pray to access the spiritual realm, it is very common to receive information in the dream state. Smith explains that remembering our dreams is important as we receive vital instructions either implicitly or explicitly because we have communicated with the Menadug or the spirits. The information that is transmitted can range from a variety of things such as medicinal plant use, healing instructions, ceremonial guidance, finding their lost items or people, conversing with the animate and inanimate, and a knowledge of future events. Dreams that are prophetic provided another layer of understanding when the people accepted that the living universe came forward to urge them to take certain well-defined paths of behavior, information they could not possibly derive from the most intense observations of the physical world. All of the information acquired is dream knowledge. time is just about up and we have only touched on some of the amazing work that Amy is doing. If you would like to know more about her work or wish to contact her, please follow us in our social media. Mm-hmm. I am sharing there her contact information and links to her publications available on the internet. Para nuestros radio escuchas que hablan español, ya estamos llegando al final de nuestro programa y solo tocamos algunos aspectos del trabajo de Amy. Si quieren saber más sobre su trabajo, estaré compartiendo en nuestras redes sociales su información de contacto y enlaces a sus publicaciones en línea.
Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us to find out more about our guests and the topics discussed in this show, please do so through our Facebook page, Perspectives from Abiyayala and Beyond, or via email to perspectivestrendradio at gmail.com. Gracias por escucharnos. Para contactarse con nosotros o encontrar más información acerca de nuestros invitados y los temas del programa, por favor síganos en nuestra página de Facebook Perspectivas desde Abiyayala y más allá, o por email a programa Masekwali Yowali, Makwali Oktli, Klasoch Kamati.